2: you yeah.
1: Man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about locally. A lot of things went down in the Capitol yesterday. Uh, we will uh, work through several of them. Uh, I want to work through a lot of them uh, here in the first half hour because J.R. Davis will only be with us for the first 30 minutes of the show. Seth Mays is here in the studio. It's good to see him. How, how are you doing, J.R.? Are you feeling good? You've been been healthy?
3: I uh, got nothing to complain about uh, so far, Dave. I am ready for the session to wrap up, though. I think I speak for everyone in that capital. So. It's,
1: it's getting interesting over there at times. Ooh. I mean, they're they're getting at it at times. Uh, you're outside. I can hear the birds hear the talking birds, to you. Yeah.
3: Well, let me tell you, I'm I'm prepping. Uh, we are. I'm cleaning our house to sell our house. So, uh, making sure you know the little things are done. Ah. So we can get rid of it.
1: <laughs> okay, you got you got a so, bigger house in mind.
3: Uh just 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 uh, something different. That's about it. But oh. it's uh, it's it's you know it's I'm my best talents, Dave, are cleaning windows. So that is what I'm doing right <laughs> now.
1: You know um, how you want to know how I clean windows? I get that that, and, uh, that Windex stuff that you screw on the end of your hose and you just spray the windows with it. It works pretty good.
3: Oh, I need to try that out because that sounds a whole lot easier than, you know, the old elbow grease method.
1: Yeah, it's better than, you know, getting up there and soaping them up and then rinsing them and then doing the squeegee thing. That's not that's just not fun. It is not fun at all. All right. So yesterday we got our answer about the hate crimes bill, uh, at least to somewhat Uh, Senate Bill three. That's hindrance bill that he. He alluded to a long time ago, got up in front of committee, and to say that it went down in flames is an understatement. And let's start with Seth on that, because
4: evidently he was there. Well, I was watching it. No, I wasn't oh, there, you are right. sitting there watching, but, okay. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of having these cameras, is you can sit back and, and, you know, you're not on camera, so nobody hears you, and you can just take it all in, so... No, you're right. Now, do, you,
1: do you like pop popcorn and stuff before no, you sit down? No, not quite. You know. I just
4: wonder. Uh, but of course, Senate Bill three—you uh, know its name—kind of tells you how early it was filed. The third bill filed on the Senate end, but was just brought up yesterday, uh, which is you know the hate crimes bill from uh, Senators Hendren and Elliot, and it was run through uh, Senate Judiciary yesterday, which was always going to be the largest hurdle. The interesting thing was it comes after Senate Bill six twenty two which folks have called a revamped hate crimes bill, but it's it's really a delayed parole bill. It's not an additional penalty bill, such as as Senate Bill 3. And so it's a little, this card is way after the horse that has come through. You know, and and Senator Elliott should have run this earlier in the session if she wanted, I think, it to be taken seriously. Right. But, But since it's coming way late, and I think everybody knew what was going to end up happening with this bill. And so listen, they talked about it, but I think, the instance that I knew it was dead, knowing we all knew it was dead sure. yesterday in committee before it came up. Hindren even admitted that it right. was dead. Well, they both did in their opening remarks. Yeah. This is pretty much we know where this is going to end, but hey, here we are to do it anyways. The first question, one of the first questions from Bob Ballinger, was the gentleman who shot Steve Scalise, who walked up to a softball field where Republican members of Congress were practicing for their congressional baseball game they do annually. When they said, hey, when that gentleman said, are these Republicans out here, legislators? You know, so you know what his intent is. You don't have to wonder. Bob Ballinger said, would that guy have committed a hate crime under this bill? And Senator Elliott said, you know, I don't know. I would have to research if he had an established uh, history of hatred for Republicans. (laughs) I think that's when you knew that this thing was pretty dead. If a guy who who, there are witnesses – had you know expressed his hatred for republicans he wanted to make sure these were were republicans and then took to shooting at them if that doesn't fall under the category of hating somebody for a group or a class that they belong to i don't know what does so the fact that senator elliott said well gee i don't know if that qualifies i think really shot shot holes all through the premise of of what a hate crimes bill should be if you believe in that
1: well and i i I agree with what you're saying here uh there's no love loss anymore between Hendren and the Republican caucus. That's very obvious now after yesterday because Ballinger went after Hendren yesterday in the committee talking about grandstanding and, and, and trying to, you know, uh, do news conferences instead of trying to work with other members of the Senate. Uh, Hindrance's days are are really numbered and his his I guess he thinks that he's going to wield some kind of power with this third party but it seems to me that uh things are, are coming to a very quick and abrupt end for the uh, senator from Northwest uh, Arkansas how do you feel about that JR
3: Yeah I mean I think the independent caucus uh you know of one is <laughs> is very difficult to Get things done, and, and look, I you know, I, I like Senator Hendren uh, a lot. I just think that, you know, I think making the decision and then letting out the decision are two very different things, and I think it's been a very lonely session uh, for him, um, but I think he understands that and he recognizes it. I think he's still got good relationships with, with a lot of the members and uh, the party, but at the end of the day, he's no longer part of the party, so... Uh, it just makes it more difficult to get things done at the Capitol. And, you know, as far as what's next for him and what's next for the uh, common ground uh, coalition or group, you know, I, I, I think it, it'll be a very entertaining uh, election year, but I can't imagine there is, you know, a, a substantive amount of support out there uh, with, you know, someone like Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, in the race for governor for the republicans the democrats are still going to vote democrat uh so i mean it's just it's hard to find what that looks like for an independent candidacy like that
1: well bottom line common grounds you know about common grounds when they're done you throw them in the trash
4: (laughs) (laughs) well and you know you pointed out dave yesterday you know so there was a motion uh, senator Hendren, a member of the committee made a motion to pass on the bill and no other member of the committee second seconded that motion so then the bill dies for lack of a second then trent garner made a motion do not pass
1: yeah now what does that mean i'm i've been reading different articles about this and they said that has only been used this is only the second time
4: that's been used well Jim Hendren made that point in all the years he has been here okay. for a decade in the Senate and or in the House and a number of years in the Senate, that that had only happened one other time since he had been there. But that means the bill is done, right? You you, As it stands now, Senator Elliott could, if the chair of the committee would allow her, Senator Hendren, could come back and run the bill. But a do not pass would say, we're done with this issue. And I think, I think one, that's because it was such a non-starter. The motion to pass it wouldn't even receive a second I think the other thing is with the passage of Senate Bill 622, most of what folks aim to achieve in a hate crimes bill is going to be done, but they hate that it does not create more classes like Senator Clark had mentioned. That's the difference between the two bills. Senate Bill 3 is putting in the Constitution more classes than we would currently recognize. So a motion do not pass would have killed it. Uh, Senator Hendren made the point it had only happened one other time since he had been there, and he said, you know, I, I think that's a really ugly thing to do to a colleague is to put a do-not-pass on one of their bills in committee. Well, then Bob Ballinger took a little bit of umbrage, a lot of Yeah, I got it right here. At that yep. And said, you know, I think what's really ugly, Senator Hendren, was when you proposed this bill, you had members in your caucus. That is, when you belong to our caucus, you had members of the caucus who went up to you and wanted to work with you on that. You chose not to do anything they wanted to amend Except- your bill at all. And then you went and held a news conference.
1: Yeah, except go have a news conference.
4: <laughs> and Bob Ballinger said, I think that's what's ugly in this bill. So, it, you know, a pretty tense moment there at the end. And, and ultimately, the do not pass motion did not receive. You had to have five votes uh, for that to pass. And I think it got three or four. Uh, one member of the committee wasn't able to be there yesterday. So. Okay.
1: So let's take a break. When we come back, there was what I won't even call it hate crime bill light uh, because it doesn't even use hate crime bill in it. We'll talk about it in a moment. It passed. But what does it say and what does it mean? We'll talk with J.R. Davis from uh, Gilmore Davis, and we'll talk with Seth Mays. He's with the Arkansas GOP when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. David Lucas wants you to know that, uh, you know, your retirement is not that far away. You know, you could be in your 30s. Your retirement is not that far away. It's like people who talk about the border, and I always re, uh, respond to them, that um, the Mexican border with uh, Texas and uh, Arizona and New Mexico and California is close to the border of Arkansas. I always make that point to everybody because what's happening there is affecting them. What's happening in the stock market, what's happening with taxes is going to impact your retirement, no matter what age you are. So, you need to know what to do when conditions change. And David Lucas can help you with that. And he's got the ultimate retirement planning checklist that you need to get 30 questions you should be able to answer. Call 501 222 3315. 501 222 3315. First 10 callers, get a free copy of this. And it's sent to you in the mail. You don't have to go pick it up. They'll send it to you. Or you can go online to davidlucasfinancial.com. That's the ultimate retirement planning checklist. Are you ready to retire? All right, back with you. Philosophically, I do not like hate crimes legislation. I am totally against it. I I think that it's a, for me, it's a non-starter. So uh, SB 622, that's been put forth now by... uh, Hickey and Clark, you know, I've always said this as a Republican. Why do you go to the other side and offer them three quarters or a half a loaf when they're just throwing full loaves of bread out to <laughs> to people? You know, what you're doing is not going to do you any good whatsoever as far as I'm concerned. So Jr. 622 doesn't say hate crimes legislation, but everybody knows that's why it's being offered. Does it does it advance anything for the Republicans in your opinion?
3: I think it does. Uh, look, I think that um, I think this is uh, a, a valiant effort from a few uh, legislators up there that have been working on this for a long time. You're right. It doesn't mention hate crimes. It doesn't mention. Uh, it doesn't have the categories uh, that were in the other bill. Uh, you know, I think it does move the ball for Republicans and I think it moves the ball for the state. It may not do, it may not be the, obviously it's not anywhere close to being the the version that we were familiar with at the start of the session, but Arkansas is one of three states without a hate crimes legislation. Uh, a lot has happened in this session. I think just to be able to point to something that says this is our hate crime legislation, whether it really does a whole lot or not, is not a bad look for the state in my opinion.
1: All right. Do you really think that that's important? I think it's important to some. I think it's important
3: to some companies. Uh, I think it's important, I think, just for the per- perception of Arkansas. In some cases, it's not an end-all, be-all. It's not anything that's going to like keep us from bringing in jobs and that sort of thing, but it's not a bad thing to have. And like I said, this is a scaled-down version. Uh, this isn't what we are all – uh, used to seeing as far as the hate crimes bill. And I think the governor announced hate crimes back in like spring of 18 uh, or, or something like that. I mean, it's been talked about for a very long time. Uh, and so, you know, it's not the same version. Uh, it doesn't do a lot of what the original version did. Um, but at the same time, for those who want it, you can point to it. For those who don't want it, it doesn't really do
1: much.
4: Okay. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, I think the big difference, obviously, in this bill in Senate Bill Three, which we had talked about in the first block, um, is that fact that it doesn't create new classes, and that's really what the Democrats don't like, and that's why not a single Democrat voted for the bill when it came to the floor of the Senate. You've had people for Joyce Elliott, like Joyce Elliott, who have argued for a decade now that this is, you know, the biggest piece of legislation to them, and then she doesn't vote for the bill. Right. And I, I think that somewhat uh, recognizes that we're striking a balance. In achieving that goal, for economic development reasons, that we're not one of the three states that don't have this, but we're not creating new classes of people. You know, we talked about the congressional ballpark shooting. That would be covered under this bill because political uh, affiliation is, is already pretty well established in the law, and it's covered in this bill. So that would apply equally, unlike the Senate Bill 3, where Joyce Elliott couldn't say whether or not that clearly qualified as a crime of hate against a group of people. So in one way, uh, this is, in a sense, a bit more pure of a hate crimes bill to not mention the word hate crimes. It does not add additional uh, years to your sentence. What this happens is you're convicted of one of the very serious felonies that are laid out in the bill, just a handful of them, the most serious crimes. So once you're convicted of that, we've adjudicated you guilty, then you move into the sentencing phase. And in that phase, you then consider whether or not whatever the crime that was perpetrated, arson or murder or what have you, whether that was against, you know, you firebombed a Jewish synagogue. Well, turns out you kind of have an established history uh, of being very anti-Semitic. What would happen under this bill, 622, is that originally at serving 70 percent of your time, you'd be eligible for parole. If convicted under the provisions of this bill, you would then have to serve 80 percent of your time until you would be eligible for parole. So it's 10 percent longer serving your original sentence, not an additional sentence. But of what you were sentenced, you will have to serve longer that sentence. So in, in many ways, it, I, I think what folks like Joyce Elliott want is an additional number of years. Right. You were sentenced for the initial crime. But we're going to give you a, an, an additional sentence because you've perpetrated a hate crime against this class of individuals. And we would like to get that class codified into law. And, and be able, in pieces of legislation later, to say, well, you see, we established sexual orientation or gender identity in the law in this bill, so it, it's really nothing new. You know, they wanted to get that, what they say, the camel's nose under the tent, you know. Uh, but that really isn't, it really isn't established in 622.
1: What about religious beliefs? I, I've heard that that's mentioned in this bill. Uh, it also has... Two words in it that I don't like, aggravating circumstances. That's sure a lot of slap room right there.
4: Well, but that's, it's covered in the definitions portion of the bill. So that's in the first part of the bill. That's just what you would refer to this as when you get to the sentencing phase. Okay. So when you get to the sentencing phase, that's what we would call an aggravating circumstances, whether or not it applied to those uh, categories that are laid out. Again, no new classes uh, applied in there. So passed with all Republican support, uh, and I think even Jim Hendren voted for this bill. I think he said in committee, no, it doesn't do what he wants to do, but it's better than where we are, Uh, and then no Democratic support. And Dave, I won't be surprised if we get to the House and you still see the Democrats voting as a block together against the bill. I don't think they're going to have one Democrat peel off. You know, even Mark Perry here in in, uh, North Little Rock, I I don't think you're going to see even vote for this.
1: Okay. So this bill was passed by the Senate, correct? Out correct. of out of committee. Was well, it passed on the, the on the floor? Passed on the floor. So now yesterday. over to the House Judiciary with Dalby, correct? Correct. Okay. So we'll have to be watching. I would suggest they vote against. That's just me. It you know, I am, as I said, philosophically opposed to this. I understand there's some people that think that somehow this is a magic wand That makes Arkansas look progressive. Uh, Personally, I don't want to look progressive on this issue. Well,
3: I will say, I mean, let me say, I I don't think it's necessarily you know magic wand, and and Arkansas looks progressive. I think it's just one less thing that we are out there on an island on. And again, I, I really don't have a dog in this fight. It doesn't bother me one way or another if we have a hate crimes bill or not. But if it's something like this that I think is a measured approach, I do think it's balanced. Uh, I think, again, to Seth's point, I mean, when you have all Republican support and no Democrat support, I'm pretty okay with that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if we're if we're no longer one of three states that don't have something like this on the books, I just think it makes sense. I think it's it's fine for Arkansas to, you know, get ourselves in a situation where. We are similar to other states in some ways. We are still very different. We are still a very unique state. I think Arkansas absolutely punches above its weight class in a bunch of things. But in this, it doesn't hurt. It makes a lot of sense. We might as well do it. All
1: right. We don't have a lot of time left with, uh, with you, JR. Have, have you felt that uh, we're beginning to – This I talked about this yesterday. I, begin, I think that we're beginning to see now – The fruition of Republicans being in control. They're slowly now swinging more and more to the right. And uh, I think that uh, when we get uh, a new governor in that perhaps is even more to the right than what uh, Asa Hutchinson is, we're going to see more of this in the future. Would you agree with that? I got 45 seconds. Uh
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I assume by next session we will have passed every uh, transgender bill there is out there. So, yeah, I'm sure there will be something different that we go after. Uh, But, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think Republicans are uh, feeling themselves this session for the first time since we've been in control. And you can tell by just the things that are, you know, getting passed out of committee and off the floor. And it's been it's been very impressive. And and, uh, and I'm sure it will only get redder as we as we go along.
1: This is my dream coming true. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, junior R. We'll see you later. Right, enjoy dude. enjoy You're power washing those windows and stuff. We appreciate you. When we come back, we'll talk more with Seth Mays here on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got a lot more to discuss. All right. Back with you at uh, 25 minutes to 7 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Been talking really strongly about uh, Pat Davis over the last few days because I've had people call me and here's what – Here's what the typical email or text to me is. Is he a real deal, Dave? Does he know what he's really talking about? Those are the the questions I get. All right. Now, let's understand when I talk about a company, my word is all I have when I'm on the air. And I'm not going to mislead you or lie to you here on my show. And I will tell you, that Pat Davis offers health care in a way different than most people offer it. And from what I can see now, I'm not on it. I can't get on it. You know, the federal government took over all of my health care, basically. When they said, you want your Social Security? Then you're going to be on Medicare. So I'm on Medicare now. Now, I've talked to Pat and he has some of these companies out here that he represents looks like they're about ready to get involved in that. And I'm all all in to, to get involved in it because it probably will save me money. In fact, I'll I'll give you a 90% chance that it saves me money. And that's what Pat Davis does. He saves you money if you're a person that has to have health insurance. If you're self-employed, you absolutely need to talk to Pat Davis If you're not and your company offers some, I would suggest that you talk to Pat to find out how he can help you uh, probably even more than your company can. It's a health care plan that's for conservatives because you don't have to pay for what you don't believe in. And it's actual insurance and it's not a share plan. Just those three things right there. I mean, look, save you 30 to 50 percent. That should get your attention, too. Uh, Call Pat and talk to him and let him explain it all to you. His phone number, 501-605-6935. 501-605-6935. And uh, his website is yourhealthplanman.com. Here's one other thing I want to say. If you own a business and you're still supplying health care to your employees, you absolutely must talk to Pat Davis. I think that he'll help your bottom line and give you give your employees good health care and save you money. 501-605-6935. That's Pat Davis, your health plan man. All right. I wanted to talk to Seth about... The, Seth is with the Arkansas GOP. He's their communications director. And uh, I wanted to talk to him. You know, a lot of people are saying, why are we fighting the culture wars in all the state legislatures? And here's the reason why. Because the left has ignited the war against us. I mean, we can go back and this this started back, gosh, in the 90s, I guess, when Pat Buchanan was talking mm-hmm. about it. And now uh, a lot of the things that Pat said have come to fruition. And we've got a real, real fight on our hands. Uh, We started this late. We should have started it early. This is why I'm – look, the president today is going to sign some executive orders on gun control. The state legislature – now, they did pass that law, did they? Not saying that the states said that the federal Mm -hmm. government can go pound sand, right, about guns. All right, so with that in mind, see, that, that's being proactive. You've got to be proactive. You've got to be able to read the tea leaves a little bit and see where they're coming from and where they're going to attack you from, and then take, uh, you know, decided measures to keep it. And I think that our state legislature has done well on guns. Uh, we're a little bit behind on transgenderism, although we were ahead on the laws that we're passing uh, to
4: mitigate this culture war. People got to pay attention to this stuff, Seth. Right. And as you and I were saying in the break, you know, culture, of course, is upstream from politics. Yes, you know? it is. And, and and that's one thing you even mentioned over the years, you know, we can always be better at as Republicans is making sure that we're engaged in the culture. Because culture is going to gonna happen if we're if we're engaged or not. So you need to choose to be. And when we look at pieces of, well, I would say legislation, in this case, it's going to be an executive order from the president. You know, we've talked about in the past, I think Democrats Feel like they have a mandate, which is ironic because if you look at the election, that's a really hard conclusion to uh, read. Yes, you know, uh, but they feel they have the mandate, and and they want to make use of having the White House over the next four years, and they want to swing big. So we don't know what we're going to see from the president today. Uh, but I expect it to be as wide a reaching a measure as it pertains to the Second Amendment as we've probably ever seen before, because that's the way the Biden administration has really approached policy. He was involved with it years ago in the 90s. He was. And when you look at infrastructure, it's let's swing for the biggest bill. When it was uh, COVID relief, it's let's spend as much money as we can. Never mind the fact, of course, that we haven't spent all the money from the last four bipartisan COVID relief bills. There's a sticking point. During President Trump's administration, we had four bills related to COVID. They were all bipartisan. Joe Biden's in office. The first one he passes is on a party line vote, and it spends more than all the others. While we had money still left to spend.
1: Looks like the infrastructure bill is going to be the same way.
4: Right. I would say one thing that changed from last week to this week, we talked about Joe Manchin. And, of course, he had voiced support for raising corporate taxes. He now says the 28 percent is a no-go for him. Yeah, he, he can wants get 25. To 25. But, you know, I, I mean, Biden has budged on nothing. So far, Schumer hasn't, Pelosi hasn't, so uh, you know it seems like this will be the first bill, first major effort to die of the Biden administration if they're not willing to budge some from
1: well, Mansion. Biggest thing that has come from Mansion last couple of days, he wrote an op-ed. I think the Washington Post said that uh, he will not get rid of of the filibuster. Mm-hmm.
4: I told you he he had said somebody had asked him if maybe he would consider a one time suspension of the filibuster for HR one. And he said that was like being kind of pregnant, maybe, <laughs> and that, you know, he's he's either for the filibuster or he's not, and he's for it, you know, and uh, it, I'll be interested to see if he holds to this 25 percent because I don't see Joe Biden budging. I think, you know, we're used to in politics, a chicken in every pot. I think the Biden administration, the Biden-Harris administration is going to look to do a bridge on every street in West Virginia. I think they're going to load this thing up and make it just where he has to. He has to. No matter what he says, but he's going to have to turn back and or see a lot of, a lot of money disappear for his state. Right, right. And I think they're going to load it up and, and make it palatable for him. But you know, if he sticks to the twenty five percent and can get an Angus King or a Kirsten Cinema or a Mark Kelly, both out of Arizona, if he can get some of those folks to to stick with him, that's a harder point to turn away from. But if he's the only man out there on the island, he's the kingmaker. It's his vote they need. Uh, I think the Biden administration just throws as much money as they can to West Virginia.
1: What are you hearing about? Uh, it's King, right? It was uh, Gabby Gifford's
4: husband? Is Mark Kelly. Him? Mark he's, Kelly. He's the twin astronaut. Okay. He and his brother Scott right. Kelly did the astronaut experience where one was in space for a year and the other was – on land and then they it's really interesting when you get into all the differences yeah. so with that in mind who's
1: looking to run against
4: kelly well i have heard that doug ducey is thinking about it and to be frank with you i think that's from what i know i think that's really the only uh real chance we're going to have of a candidate there martha McSally. I really like fighter pilot, young uh, woman in the Senate caucus. She's
1: bruised right now.
4: Right, but she's lost twice. You're right. She lost to Kirsten Cinema. Then Doug Ducey appointed her, which I don't know was a smart move to appoint somebody that just lost right. a, a Senate election to another open Senate seat. Uh, that Those, of course, were the result of Jeff Flake retiring and choosing not to run, and then John McCain dying in office. Then John Kyle had held that seat, a former senator, and then he uh, left. So it created... Circumstance where you had a bunch of Senate elections one after turmoil the other. in the desert, right? And so Martha <laughs> McSally, I have not heard anything about her wanting to run for office. I think that would have the same result her last two Senate elections did, neither one of which she won. And then you have Kelly Ward, who's the chair of the party, who lost to Martha McSally in the primary. So mm-hmm. I don't think that makes no. sense. To, if you can't even win the primary to somebody who would who won the primary but lost the general, you're really far down the ladder. So. I think Doug Ducey, somebody that is established. We saw a scenario like that in 2018 with Rick Scott in Florida. He was the governor, took on, ironically, another astronaut in in Bill Nelson, who is now set to lead NASA, I think, under the Biden administration. But, you know, Bill Nelson is an established incumbent Democratic senator in Florida. I think the only person that could have beat him was the more popular Republican governor. And I see a lot of parallels in Arizona. You need somebody that has... Credibility in the name ID. I don't know what the term limits are in Arizona. Perhaps Ducey is term limited. That may help propel him to want to run for Senate because mm-hmm. the governor is up in a couple of years for him. Uh, uh but that's we need we need really great candidates in in the Senate. We talked last week. I think our house map looks pretty good because of redistricting and yes. just the midterm effects. Nothing's a sure thing, of course, but the Senate map is a really hard one, and we have had a lot of retirements, which means a lot of open seats, and those are just strategically harder to keep. So and we, we need, need to get Warnick out of out of there in Georgia. Right, we do. And we need, we need a strong candidate there. We need somebody like Doug Ducey in Arizona right. to step up. That's one of our only real flips. We have a lot of seats that are going to be hard to hold on to, like Ohio, which you think should be pretty easy, but... You know, they have uh, Sherrod Brown, a Democrat, holding the other Senate seat. And so, I, with Rob Portman retiring, that's not a for sure thing. I think Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania, that's uh, that's a potential loss. There. Yeah, I, it I don't is. know who, who steps up there. So, you know, one thing, for instance, Peter Thiel, the big time uh, Silicon Valley investor, is looking at, if he hasn't already, putting in $100 million into a super PAC behind J.D. Vance in Ohio, the author of Hillbilly Elegy. He's a Republican. And and maybe J.D. Vance is the kind of rot right populist that could get elected in Ohio with with enough money behind him. So we need a lot of good Senate candidates, and we need them to all run.
1: I need to watch you know. that on Netflix. He'll elegy. It's good.
4: The book is good, too, If you, and is it's it? pretty short if you've read it, and it's, it's just a real good, you know, it got really popular after Trump was elected in 2016. It just so happened to be published, but it's about a kid who grows up in West Virginia, very down on his luck in his family. There's opioid issues and, and those types of he's things. He's born in
1: the Appalachian foothills, folks.
4: Right. And he, he just decides that he's not going to be defined on what his childhood was Good. like. You know, I, it's a really great story. Liberals kind of don't like it because it's a pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps kind of book. And the they, racial they, reject, yeah. they reject that notion, you know. But I, it really is. It's a really incredible historian going to Yale and his service in the military and all of that. So.
1: Okay, I'll have to read the book. I'll watch the show as well. I just got done watching Broadchurch. Have you watched that? No, I have not. Mm-mm. Have you watched that, Heidi, Broadchurch on, on Netflix yet? The one about the the murder? Have you have you watched that one, Heidi? Broadchurch on Netflix? you got to watch it. It's a great, great, great show. shows you how uh, the legal system can really get it wrong mm-hmm. with a jury. I mean, seriously. Good, good, good show. All right, uh, don't forget about uh, ARC, their walk-in clinic. That's applied research, walk-in clinic over on uh, Rodney Parham, uh, next to the Burger King, just down from party time. They now offer COVID-19 rapid testing and treatment. What's good about rapid testing is you get your results back in hours instead of days, which means if you think you might have been, uh, you know, around somebody and exposed to the COVID-19 you don't have to quarantine yourself while you wait for your tests Uh, they'll get your test results back to you now if the test results come back and it says you're positive well they also have treatment and follow-up visits are included in this as well so remember arc walk-in clinic now offers COVID-19 rapid testing and treatment includes rapid tests and medical evaluation you just got a call to get your appointment 501-954-7822 501-954-7822 to schedule your appointment man we are already down to the final segment of uh, this Thursday edition where Seth Mays and J.R. Davis joins me J.R. Uh, could only join us for a half hour because he's the man of the house and he had the power wash the driveway today he said, "Don't ask, Dave. Just know I got to do it." <laughs> so,
4: <laughs> well, they're selling <laughs> the house, and yeah, you, you heard him. It. He's going to sell his home.
1: You know, I would say, Jr., come out and look in uh, Greystone. I bet you find the house you mm-hmm. like out there. It's a nice area. A little bit of a drive, but it's not that bad. It really, really not. All right, let's talk about a couple of pieces of legislation that also passed over here in the last couple of days. H. Uh, B-1701. This is uh, State Representative Mary Bentley's bill dealing with creationism, and I'm sure that um, um, my bud R.D. Hopper is happy about this piece of legislation, although I will say this. If you talk to R.D., now I haven't talked to him about this bill, but I will tell you this. He would want the state to say you must teach creationism if you teach, uh, uh, you know, Darwinism. However, that's not this bill does not say that it does say, though, that teachers can teach creationism and don't have to worry about pushback and that they can offer their views on creationism in the classroom.
4: Right. As you mentioned, David, is permissive language. So it's up to the teachers. Some have wondered, of course, though, about possible blowback. And so this would just take away any concerns about that. You know, this, uh, of course, was a big issue. before my time, but I've heard back, of course, when Frank White was governor and this issue was taken up to the uh, Supreme Court and they had struck down that creationism provision. But that basically required an equal, a mandated equal time Mm -hmm. for as long as you talked about one, you had to talk about the other. And this just is is simply permissive language that allows teachers to do this. but. We've talked about where the Democratic caucus is today. Uh, the Democratic caucus in the House voted against this. They, yeah, voted, of course they, they did. voted against permissive language, just the ability of teachers to do this. Uh, and, and there's folks like Isaac Newton that had thoughts about creationism. So it isn't as though it's just there's a couple of crackpots over here in the corner that we want to mandate schools <laughs> teach. This is just opening up to teachers who want to use real science. And and Mary Bentley right in the well yesterday, a number of questions uh, which evolution doesn't answer, you know, that questions that sort of call for a divine creator, um, and and says, listen, why not talk about creationism when a number of, of scientists would support the idea? But that still wasn't enough for Democrats to to get behind the bill. Some, uh, of course, asking questions about. Well, if you're passing this, why did you not create a curriculum for this and run it through the Department of Education? You know, if if you're out, you know, in left field that far, then I think it says a lot about the state of where their party is.
1: Well, when you're that far to the left, you've left the stadium. Right. <laughs> that's, that's just kind of how I look at that. Another piece of legislation. I never thought we'd have to, you know, get down to the point that we had to legislate plastic straws. But we do. And uh, HB-1704, uh, David Ray, and, and I want to talk about David Ray here in a moment because he started something that looks like it's going to get finished not exactly the way he wanted to, but we've made some some progress. Plastic straws are legal in the state right. of Arkansas.
4: <laughs> As you said, Dave, whoever thought that we would have to come to this, but HB-1704 uh, basically regulates the use of auxiliary containers. Now, that essentially means you know like a plastic bag or plastic straw and you say well why would people want to do that well as you know i lived in dc for a time where Mm -hmm. you do not have plastic straws everything is paper and it's awful Uh, uh, a paper straw has i've never seen one that actually works i'm going to tell you what a paper straw
1: in a sonic shake would not no. dissolves yeah yeah it dissolves and it would collapse immediately
4: it, this isn't just straws the other thing that this does for instance is on plastic bags so i know the city of fayetteville was looking at doing a 10 cent tax on plastic bags when you're at the grocery store every plastic bag you would use is 10 cents well how do you do that having lived in dc they had a plastic bag tax and if i was at the cvs and was checking out it will ask you on the screen because of course everything is a self-checkout now right it'll ask you how many bags are you using and you hit through oh two or one or you do like me and put none whether it was true or not correct but if you hit one they'd charge you five cents and as i told david when he had talked to me about this bill i said what's crazy is fayetteville is proposing a plastic tax that is twice as much as the city of dc i think that really says something Dave. it says a
1: lot <laughs> and of course there are those on the left that say well let's get away from plastic bags and go back to paper so you want to kill the trees, huh? Right. Is that what it is? <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I can turn that right around on them because that's the reason we went to plastic.
4: Yep. So this just says basically, you know, a, a city in Arkansas can't start imposing, you know, uh, it, you don't want plastic bags to be taxed in Fayetteville, something they're not in Fort Smith. And that uh, creates disunity in commerce. And in and, and this way, we're all equal that, you know, we're not going to hold that against our citizens irregularly across the state.
1: All right, now something that has happened. David uh, Ray tried to get a piece of legislation passed against special elections, which would have made two days every year possible special election or, or, or election-type uh, times, uh, primaries and, and regular elections. There is a, And it failed. Uh, now there is a, a piece of legislation that says four days for special elections. Now, a lot of people say, well, I can't believe it. Here's here's how I view this, all right? If we go to four days, we've won 361 days, okay? I understand we could have won 363, but we're going to win 361. And I believe this is a big step down the field. And it seems to me uh Raper's behind this and I do believe hawk mm-hmm. is behind this. And he better find something because right now I don't think he could get reelected from a dog catcher. The bottom line is that uh, now that they're uh they're looking at this four days, how are you seeing that? Does it look like it's going to go through?
4: No, I I think it stands a better chance. The issue though, is, as you well pointed out, is and really it's just I think it's a philosophical view of how you view politics. And I know you and I are, G and Haw on this, that it's about moving the ball forward always and if i move it forward a foot that's well that's a foot closer than i was you know and and so i know some folks are wary about if we pass this then that really runs the chance of getting down to two days in the future Mm, but you know i I think this stands a a better chance um, of passage but i think you're right we've got to give credit where credit is due and this is david ray's baby whether it whether he passes it or not david had led the charge on this this session very valiantly it got very close. Of course, that only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades. but mm-hmm. Atomic uh, weapons. Right. <laughs> Going back to Godzilla during the <laughs> yeah, break. Yeah, that's so, right. Uh, no, I, I'm optimistic on where we are on this, and it's a good thing. Um,
1: All right. We're out of time, Seth. I appreciate you coming in. You bet. Always look forward to seeing you again next Thursday.
4: I'll give David Ray a call.
1: See if you'll join me on Maybe Friday or Monday, and we'll talk to him about special elections here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got the uh, auto guys coming in. Joe and Duck will be here in just a moment. 823-0965 for your questions. with you here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. Duck's not here today, not feeling good. Under the weather, we hope he gets better. We'll see him next week. But uh, Joe is here, and he's ready to answer questions. Joe Sharp is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joe's garage over in Crystal Hills Road is uh, his uh, uh, business. But uh, as he talks today, keep in mind that all bumper-to-bumper certified service centers follow the same rules and uh, regulations, and they all uh, have quali- qualified people to do the work you need done on your automobile.
5: Yep, certified and trained. And, uh, you know, bumper-to-bumper bumper has got a uh, code of ethics, and it's pretty strict one, and you have to comply to that. And you gotta be, you got to be a good shop owner and a good garage or they don't want you in their group. And that's basically it, honest and fair and do things right, and, you know. We, we present ourselves like that because we live that day
1: if there's guys that are out that are listening right now and they uh they have their own garage and they have their own texts and things of that nature and and they listen to you they listen to duck they listen to kenneth and gary and everybody else that comes on here uh on saturdays or here on this show uh for an hour uh how do they go about becoming a certified service center? Because that really goes a long way into helping your business.
5: Well, sure. You just uh, have to get a hold of, uh, I- I'm sure if you're in a garage business, you're familiar with bumper to bumper. You just have to call them and tell, uh, their rep to come by, which would be Jerry Rocha and, uh, let him discuss things with them and, uh, get them signed up, you know, providing they, uh, qualify. So it's, it's not that hard of a process. Um, uh, I think that uh, you know I've been part of other groups and in, uh, in the past years past. Don't get me wrong; we don't didn't all start off just a bumper to bumper guy, but you know.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you finally mitigated to bumper to bumper.
5: Well, yeah, some of the other groups, you know, the difference in the way they um, they structure things, run things, and and stuff like that. It it, it changes changes the way you, your flow goes in your group and who's in your group and how you get in that group. So the guys that we got in our group, Dave, are all good shop owners, I promise you.
1: Yeah, I won't say who he was with before. No, we're not going to do that. But I I will tell you this. I know one of the reasons that you moved to Bumper to Bumper was that the previous group closed down their warehouse here. And Bumper to Bumper has a huge warehouse right here, which means you get parts L quickly.
5: Oh, absolutely. You know, they got a warehouse with 14, 16 million parts in them a distribution center is what it is, um, and you know there there there's you know parts are parts, but you know the quality of that parts the is the issue. If you go to a discount parts place by a discount part, you're buying cheapest part money can buy. Mm-hmm. You go to bumper to bumper, they're going to sell you a part that'll fit your car. It's a part that I mean it fits just like the other one. The difference is the quality of that part, and yes, the price is going to be a little bit higher, but. What you want in the automotive repair world is two things to go smoothly. One, you want a quality part that's gonna last, and you wanna get the best price on that part that you can, so you can pass that along to your customer, and you want a good warranty to go with that part. Two years, twenty four thousand miles, uh, parts and labor, it's awesome. I think that uh, I think that there's be very few people that could say they ever had a part failure or a breakdown somewhere. In, out of the state of arkansas and had trouble with their warranty no
1: yeah. that's just the reason that we use uh or that joe uses i don't use it but i mean joe and duck well,
5: inadvertently yeah
1: yeah because you put those parts that's in my correct. car yes sir but uh, gary and and kenneth and uh you know, a lot of the other guys. In fact, all the other guys from bumper to bumper that use these parts. It's a really important part of getting your car fixed. All right, ten minutes after seven on a Thursday. Phone line is open eight two three oh nine six five. You know, Heidi tells me, and other people tell me, I don't say that enough. But the phone line is open eight two three oh nine six five. You got a question for Joe? Uh, he'll take take your question and he'll answer. To the best of his ability, understand if it's a sound or smell, it's kind of hard to come yeah. up with the answer unless he hears it or <laughs> smells it. You'd be surprised, though. There's some things once you smell them once, you don't have to smell them again. You know what it is. I guarantee. You, if you ever smelt
5: antifreeze burning coming out of the exhaust of an engine, mm-hmm. combustion engine, that's
1: a smell you never forget, Dave. You're well. Or if if you got the uh, catalytic converters going bad, yep. and you can smell it. I cars will be in front of me, going down the highway, and if I don't have my recirculation going on, mm-hmm. I I will smell that, and I know immediately what it is. It's well, you, got,
5: you have a car in front of you that's not running right. That's why those converters are stinking
1: there. Yeah, well, they they really stink when <laughs> they are yep. nasty. Yep. All right heidi says don is in magnet cove how you doing don i'm good how are you dave i'm doing fantastic which question for joe
2: hey i've got an an o2 toyota highlander that once i start driving down the freeway it goes into overdrive the first time but if i slow down and it comes out of overdrive it won't go back into overdrive unless i pull over turn it off and start it again and then it will resume and go into overdrive
5: well Don have you had anybody do a code test
2: on that vehicle no I took it to a, or I called a transmission shop a guy I use a lot who's really good and he said he had no idea what was causing that
5: well I'm going to tell you what I think is causing it It sets a specific code okay
2: Uh huh. and
5: that's a current code when it sets that current code it's going to take that overdrive away from you now what happens when you turn that car off and the ignition goes off and you restart uh-huh. it? it takes that current code and puts it over into uh-huh. a history file mm-hmm. and it's okay. going to work again until it sets that code again.
2: Yeah so and if I turn it off if I turn it off manually, you can turn off the overdrive before it goes out of overdrive then yeah. I can turn it back on and it'll go into overdrive again as well. Is that the same saying the same thing?
5: Well, when 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 you have the overdrive turned off, you know it's it's it, what it does there. You're manually turning that off. I think right. there's probably a problem with the overdrive in the transmission and it's setting a code in the transmission. I would really advise you to take it to a transmission shop and and get somebody to scan this because this might be a minor problem, not something real expensive. You know, it could be yeah, a solenoid they- or. Uh, uh, it could even be an engine code set. A lot of engine codes will affect the transmission performance, also.
2: I got you. So, well, the transmission place, and I don't want to mention their name, but they're yeah. real good. But they they told me they had no idea. So, where's a where's a transmission place that can read the code?
5: Well, I'm going to tell you that in our group, our best the the, the guy that we refer everybody to is Mid State Transmission in Benton. Gary Henry, he's awesome.
1: Okay, Mid State.
5: And I'm right. telling you, if, it, if the problem can be found,
1: he'll find it. Dave's had him work on most, his transmission. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've most, done a couple, couple things for me. They're very, very good.
2: Most people that I've talked to about it when I describe them, they said, well, how did you figure out if you turn it off? <laughs> <Like> I said, <laughs> I just tried it. Yeah. I just tried it once, but anyway all I right you. guys well i'll try that yeah give no, them no. a call
1: don and, and they'll they'll help you out and tell gary that joe and dave told you to uh, give him a call yeah he'll take I care will. Of all right thank no you very much y'all. have a great day same Thanks. to you now all right 823-0965 that is our local number you can give us a call there and uh like you just heard joe i mean people don't realize joe that When your car sets a code, maybe they've they've noticed it because your ABS may screw up because of a code.
5: Well, let's talk about that just a little bit. These cars today, 02, not so much, but it was intertwined. But anything with an automatic transmission, the transmission and the engine work together. A lot of the sensors that make the engine run affect the performance of the transmission and, all, and a lot of the stuff that goes on in the transmission, the solenoids, the clutch packs, uh, the pressure regulators and all that affect the way the engine runs too. So if you have one not working right, sometimes when it sets certain codes, it takes things away. Like uh, certain engine codes will take, uh, like if you have a misfire in your vehicle and it sets a code for it, you're not going to be able to remote start that car it sets code for catalytic converter or a lot of EVAP codes, you're not going to be able to remote start it.
1: I know that for a fact. Some of them, Dave,
5: <laughs> that's correct, Dave. Some of them even take away your cruise control and other things. And if you set engine codes or transmission codes, a lot of times it automatically turns on the ABS and the and and, and the traction control light because all of those systems have to work together for the traction control to function. And and a lot of folks say, well. All these lights came on at the same time, but technically they didn't. That service engine soon light or check engine light will pop on, and about a half a second later, those other lights will come on because it knows it can't function because there's a problem in one of the modules, and the modules have to talk to each other, and it's just like a football game. They all got to get in the huddle, and they all got to be on the same play. All right. And if they're not in the same play— then that play breaks down that play breaks down it turns on those warning lights
1: quarterback sack yeah
5: (laughs) well if you sack the quarterback you're going to be on the on the side of the road without it running that's right and you're going or you're going to have it in lip mode where that quarterback just running half speed and not letting you go any faster take accelerator away and a bunch of other things but you just have to remember that if you're driving that car and the lights come on, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a traction control problem. doesn't necessarily mean it's an engine control problem. doesn't necessarily mean it's a transmission control problem. It's a problem with the communication between them. One of them has a problem, and then that tells us where to go look. But once we look and see where the codes are, that doesn't tell us what's wrong with it. It just tells us where to go look to test to find exactly what the problem is
1: All right, that was a really good explanation about how all that works. Dan is in Little Rock, and we're going to get his question next. But I'm going to take a break. It's uh, 17, um, almost 18 minutes after 7 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joe of Joe's Garage is here on my show taking your questions about your car, 823-0965. All right, off to the phones we go again. If you want to call in, talk to Joe, 823-0965. Eight two three zero nine six five. Dan's in Little Rock. Hi, Dan. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. What's your question for Joe?
0: Well, I have a 2006 Jeep Liberty 2.8 CRD, uh, and I have multiple codes in here. And the first code is PO four hundred one, minimal EGR flow detected, and then PO two nine nine turbocharger under boost condition and po204 i mean 402 excessive egr flow deleted uh, detected and then finally po203 cylinder number three injector circuit so what i want to know is what all that means
1: it sounds like dominoes falling over to me well,
0: well uh, the, that type of motor has a problem with the EGR system, the uh, the boost system pretty much. So uh, I wanted to d- detect it to a single item or whatever. I mean, so just get your opinion on that and the cost of it.
5: Well, the EGR, you're going to have to fix that because the, the turbo is an exhaust turbo. And if the EGR is one, you know, you have too much flow. That means a valve stuck open on it. Now it could be a piece of carbon in there. It could be something wrong with the uh, the valve itself. But you're going to have to fix that first because your your turbo boost is under boosting because jar valve stuck open. And uh, I got you. And and you know that all of these could be related to one thing. A lot of times you'll have a code that'll set and you'll have a, for instance, you'll have a a misfire in the engine. Then you'll have an O2 code set for two because it's running rich because that in, that cylinder's not hitting. Well, that that. Injector circuit code that you have, need to check the plug-in on that. We've had a lot of trouble with the plug-ins on those injectors on those Jeeps, okay? And, okay. And so look at real close it guys? in. Huh?
0: Can I take it to you guys and get it fixed?
5: Uh, oh, absolutely. You bet You're You can. You're welcome to bring it in. Uh, I'm at oh. 5601 Crystal Hill Road, North Little Rock. If you'll just call uh, 753-4685 and talk to my daughter Stephanie, she'll set you up a date to bring it in. We'll diagnose it and see what's going on.
0: Okay,
1: I do appreciate that. Right. You're welcome, Dan. Thank you for your call, Dan. Thank you very much. All right. But but see we're back to
5: that same thing yeah. where where they, they all talk to each other and if one part's not working right, the other one can't work. That's right why right I said either.
1: dominoes.
5: Yes, exactly. It's it's a domino effect.
1: One falls, hits the other, and it falls.
5: Yeah, and it's an it's an O six so it's it's been running long enough and we've seen some E G R valves where what'll happen is a little piece of carbon will break loose and you get in there and hang that valve open. When that happens that turbo boost has gone down right there because it's not going to function right so you know it, it point point blank you're going to have to start with a specific problem repair it and don't know if that's going to take all of it fix all of it then you're going to make that repair then you're going to road test it with a scanner on it, look at the data and go drive it probably put 10 15 miles on it if nothing else comes back say all right it's good to go for right now if anything returns in the future four or five hundred miles later you don't have any problems you're
1: good to go all right Pretty simple when you've been working on them for 100 years. Now, Joe hasn't been doing 100 nah, years, yeah, but 100 I, I bring, I bring a few other close. people in here, and I can give 100 years.
5: It's like 45 days. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, half. You're almost halfway yeah. there. Yeah. You're working at it. Yeah. All right, so 725-823-0965. is the uh, number to call. Got a... Uh, Listener says, I got a 1998 Subaru Legacy Outback four-cylinder 2.5 liter. The door lights and all three dome lights don't work. I've checked the dome lights, bulbs, and nothing. I checked the fuse, and it's not blown. So now I'm stuck. I'm going to think, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to say something here. Now we're going to have to go to the door jam. So let's turn it over to Joe.
5: It's a very good possibility of that. The door jam switch is bad. My question would be, uh, does that not work on the driver's side? If they don't, do they work on the passenger side? Mm -hmm. If they don't work there either, Dave, I would be looking at the dome light in the top of the vehicle on that particular year model 98. It's got a switch on it on off door.
1: Oh, really?
5: If he's got it on off, it ain't never going to work okay with the doors because you have to turn it on door I, and, and a lot of times that's just a very simple mistake but i'd be looking at that and number two i if, if that was set right and everything i would be looking at the voltage to it because what happens is it'll have 12 volts up there okay but when you open that door that door jam switch grounds the circuit turns that light on and then you'd be looking at maybe uh possibly and and i don't know which fuse he's checked on it Sometimes that can be a little bit confusing, but that's where I'd be looking at, day.
1: All right. There you have that one. All right. Next one, 2010 Subaru Legacy 3.6R Premium. It's a six-cylinder, 3.6-liter engine. I've had this ongoing problem for a while. I've already replaced all six spark plugs and the cylinder two-coil boot. At 1,600 or 1,700 RPMs, the vehicle will power stutter. And uh, if you keep it at this RPM, the brake light and check engine light will start flashing, as well as the traction control light will come on and stay steady. Subaru replaced the spark plugs. Problem came up again not too long after. Prior to replacing the coil, a shop had a scanner on it and saw a misfire in cylinder two. Pulled coil boot and saw there was an arcing pattern etched into the boot where it seemed like the misfire was occurring. Replaced the coil at that time. Now months later, don't the car, don't drive the car too much, but still drove a couple hundred miles in the mountains. Now the problems back. Have no hooked up. Have uh, have uh, now hooked up a scanner. Or checked the coil or cylinder too, but I'm currently confused on what could be the real issue. Same problem while driving seems like fourth gear, pushing the gas at 1,600-ish RPM and loss of power.
5: Yeah, you know, there are typos in there, Dave. we got to yeah. watch them sometimes. Uh, you know, it's a 2010. A car's 11 years old. They drove it 10,000 miles a year. It's 110,000. It was due for a tune-up. They put plugs in it at Subaru. Uh, another shop found one coil that was bad on it in a boot. Uh, probably, most likely... It's going to end up having another—it's going to have to replace all the coils eventually. These coils wear out on these cars. You know, they were all born on the same day. So if you have one that goes bad, chances are you're going to have another one fail in the the near future. When they come into my shop, I tell folks that. I say, you know, eventually you're going to have to put all these coils in. i got one bad one right now. Sometimes if you have to take the plenum off or something, I'll say, why don't we just put the back three in it, the hard ones, while we're doing the plugs? And you don't have any labor on those coils because I have to take the coils off to do the plugs. But mm-hmm. let's put three in the back that are hard to get to. And then if you have a problem in the future with one of the front three, they're easy to replace. So it's a matter of communication there. And uh, but I, I have a feeling that he's got another coil that's bad, Dave, All right. because he has same symptom, not necessarily on the same cylinder because he hadn't had it checked. But that's what will happen on a coil when it's under a load and you're accelerating. It'll go to breaking down.
1: All right we got to take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got Rush and his daily update. Let's get to that, and then we'll come back and talk more with, uh, with Joe, and I'll tell you a little bit about P.I. Roofing. 25 minutes till 8. P.I. Roofing wants you to know they are your roof leak detectives. Uh, if you've got a leak and uh, maybe some discoloration showing up on the ceiling or you're seeing a little bit of water down by the you know, the floorboards or something like that, don't necessarily think that the leak is right over where it's showing at because it doesn't necessarily work that way. Uh, a leak can start, let's say, at the crown of, of your roof, get on a 2x4 or a 4x4, four uh, and roll down that 4x4, four four, gets to the bottom of it, and then drips off of that, and that gets through your insulation and then on into your uh, uh, your your drywall or in between the, the walls, and then you see it at the bottom. You need somebody to come out and find where that leak is specifically and then fix it. I've had PI roofing out twice since they, they put my... Uh, uh, new roof on, so that's twice in about 18 years. Uh, one time because DirecTV screwed up. The other time because a nail had worked itself up. It was sticking just a little bit above the, uh, the shingle. And uh, the guy went up to look for this leak that we had and said, I'll try to find it. And uh, uh, he went on top of the roof first. And sure enough, he found the nail that had come up, so the the water was gathering around it, and then slowly leaking around it and down and into into my house. And he found the leak from this then uh, on the top of the of the roof inside my attic. And all he had to do was put a little adhesive on that nail and drive the nail back down, and psh, done, finished. That's the kind of people you got at PI Roofing. That's pretty good when you can find one nail that's causing uh, the problem because you know what to look for. They can do the same thing for you. You just call them 707 fifty one. Now, I'm not saying if you got a leak, it's just a nail, all right? What I'm saying is that PI Roofing will figure out and what the leak is being caused by because they are the professionals and Joel Johnson teaches his people how to do that and be able to find those leaks because that's how he started off in the business. That's PI Roofing, 707-3551, or piroofing.com. All right, I got an interesting story here, or a question here. But before I ask you that, during the, uh, the break, we were watching Fox just a little bit, and they were talking about the new Hummer that's coming out. I think it's coming out in 2022, uh, and it's all electric, Now, this is going to be the big point of sales over the next few years uh, because the government wants more and more electric cars. Joe, I I think this has got 320 miles per charge. I, I can kind of understand, like, if you live here in Arkansas, and let's say you work in Little Rock, and you're driving from Conway you can get away with that. Mm-hmm. I would think if you're driving from Russellville, you might be pushing it a little bit by the end of the day, because you got to go out and go to lunch and things of that nature as well. So uh, what's your thinking about this? What is going to have to happen to make electric cars as popular as what our government wants them to be?
5: Well, it's going to be charging stations today. But you know, uh, there are some in Little Rock and, and surrounding areas. And, you know, the— the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles, you can go on their website and see what vehicles, electric vehicles, have been registered in the state of Arkansas and where their addresses are. Okay. So the, okay. Yeah. So, you 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 know, and if you go over and if you go to North Little Rock and look in the Walmart parking lot, there's not any plug-ins. You go to West Little Rock in Walmart, mm-hmm. there's plug-ins. They know those cars are registered in that area, so we're going to make it convenient. And that's what you're going to see happen. I think the retail outlets are going to put in charging stations to make their customers happy with being there. They're going to be in Walmart for an hour, hour and a half, shopping, doing whatever. They can plug their car in charge it. Uh,
1: I think or, I saw where the Hummer was saying a 20-minute charge. Yeah. I don't think
5: that you're going to be that quick i mean some of these batteries recover real quick they might not recover 100 but extend your driving time then of course you know all of them if you park them at your house you're going to be able to charge
1: them there right so. yeah they get devices that you yeah. can mount in your garage or whatever
5: and, and these electric vehicles even the hybrids when you're driving that vehicle and, and you're hitting the brakes they have regenerative brakes to help build those those batteries back up so certain driving habits would help not deplete the battery as quick you know
1: okay yeah what he's saying is when you put on the brakes it causes friction, and they change that friction into electric power. That's right.
5: It's, it's regenerative, which it means it, it regenerates electricity to help keep the battery up. And if you look, if you have a hybrid and you look in there, you can tell that when you put up your little graphic of the engine, whether it's gasoline or the electric motor that's running it at the time, and it'll tell you everything that's going on. So
1: As long as the little arrow is not in the red, you're probably okay. That's right. <laughs> you're probably uh, going to be fine. So, yeah, I, I do you think gas stations will get to the point where you have your gas pumps and then you have electric charge stations as well? Because we're not going to move away from fossil fuels by 2025, no. like they keep saying. That's just not going to happen.
5: I think that'll be real popular in big metropolitan areas. Yeah, you'll pull up and uh, be able to park there. And you may have sat there for 20, 30 minutes, but you can charge your,
1: your vehicle. OK, yeah. I, that that's my biggest down fall as far as i'm mm-hmm. concerned with electric cars plus you know i like to travel and i like for instance for this year uh if uh, the, you know it don't rain the creek don't rise i i hope to be able to go back down to florida for about 12 days sure you want to be able yeah but i want to be able to drive if you, you know had all an the EV, way.
5: electric vehicle you would want to be able to do that and run around while he's down
1: there and yeah. charge it
5: up and come home with it yeah
1: that's exactly right so well, there's a lot of, they still got issues. Uh, they're addressing those issues. Uh, Elon Musk is on the forefront of that. I mean, uh, we had Mark Johnson on mm-hmm. who has a electric car, and uh, it's a Tesla. And he said that you can go on their website, and you tell them you want to go from point A to point B, and they'll tell you exactly where you should have to re- uh, you know, energize your batteries, mm-hmm. recharge them, and they'll tell you exactly where to go to do it. Yeah, they have locations on there. Yeah, and see that—that's that's a sign of a true capitalist. There, he's he's got it all. Where it's all self-contained with his with his business, and that—and I I I really, Elon Musk. It's a strange cat. I'm, I'm going to be one of the first people <laughs> to say that, but he is a very very smart man. Yes, he is. And what they do. So I think he's going to be making all the breakthroughs in electric cars. And well, has. The big boys are following his lead. All right. Steven has got a 2011 Ford Escape XLT. This is a six-cylinder, three-liter engine. He says, "Uh, my local mechanic hasn't been able to figure out what's wrong with my car. I've taken it in twice now. It's got a horrific random grinding noise, and it makes the vehicle inoperable. It's a 2011-2012 Ford Escape. The progression of issues started like this. Wasn't going into gear properly, but then started to correct itself. Then the front of the car started creaking every time I'd come to a stop or start driving again. It would do this for a while until the real problem happened. After coming to a stop and then starting to go again, the loudest grinding noise and shaking on the front passenger side happened could barely drive forward or in reverse was if the brakes were on when they weren't while the grinding noise occurred smelled like burning on front passenger side here's the kicker i get it into a spot turn it off and then a couple hours later it's completely fine drives like nothing happened it was fine for about another month and then did this entire process all over again
5: well there's two things in the left front up there that he that that could be going on one he could have a wheel bearing issue also he could have a brake issue now a brake caliper that sticks the piston sticks in it's going to get the brakes real hot and create a real bad smell it can actually get to where it'll lock the wheel the wheel up So when you put it in, drive or reverse, the vehicle won't move. Mm -hmm. But if you let it sit there for a while, it'll cool off. When it cools off and the pressure
1: releases,
5: and you're ready to go again. Now, how often this happens could have a lot to do with how much braking during that drive cycle. Whether it's, you know, to the store and back, or if it's a one hour's drive and a lot of braking going on, as far as the... uh, the grinding noise a lot of times when it's trying to seize up it'll get the rotor real hot and the brakes are still on so you're driving in this rump 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 because it's trying to seize up and that may be what's causing the grinding noise that he's calling you know the description of grinding when it could just be the brake trying to lock up on it
1: well if you've ever heard your brakes grind it's a horrific noise it'll freak you out sometimes Mm -hmm.
5: And, of course, if that one is seizing and not, and, and not uh, what you call releasing after you get it by driving and getting it warm, uh, you're going to have the smell, you're going to have the hard to drive, you're going to have some noise coming from it. So all of that relates back to that. And it can damage a wheel bearing just from the heat, excessive heat if you get that wheel bearing overheated it could cause it some trouble too up there
1: well the bottom line is you don't get it fixed sooner or later you're not going to be driving is it, it a totally lock up oh
5: absolutely you know and it could be reasons why it could be a brake caliper it could be a brake hose it could be an analog unit that could be a master cylinder not letting the fluid return all the way it's just going to have to be checked to de- you know to diagnose why it's doing that but that seems like a a, a pretty easy thing to check going to go out and drive that vehicle and you know a lot of times we can go drive one and it may not be completely locking up but what we will use is a infrared thermometer which means we can take it and aim it right at the right front brake caliper see what the temperature is and go to the left front if there's 50 75 degrees difference in temperature that one over there is not releasing properly and we'll check them all the way around to see if we have two front two rear and that'll tell us well that ain't probably not a, a caliper or brake hose on that wheel it's probably a master cylinder or a hydraulic unit that's not letting the fluid return and holding the brake on
1: bottom line is your visual or does it have a gauge
5: on 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 the the infrared the yeah, monitor, yeah. it'd be a digital gauge
1: oh, okay because yep. i know if it's a, if it's just a visual if your caliper is bright bright red well it means yeah. that it's really really hot yeah don't touch it but <laughs> yeah. But,
5: Absolutely. our you know, we we use a digital thermometer like that, infrared thermometer on a lot of things, Dave. We use it on engines, diagnose misfires on diesels. We hit them uh, runners on them exhaust manifolds. If you got a diesel starts in the morning and it's running rough and missing, you can hit those runners. You can tell which cylinder it's on because the one that's the coldest is the one it
1: ain't hitting on. The one that's yep. yeah, just not doing its job. That's correct. All right. We got 12 minutes remaining. We've got to get a final break in. Let's do that. If you have a question, now's the time to call because we're going to run out of time. It takes a few minutes to answer your question. So call us at 823-0965, 823-0965. Got something on your mind? It's not a dumb question unless you don't ask it. That's what my daddy used to say. Then it becomes a stupid question because <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't get the answer to it. 823-0965 here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Don't forget about St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Let me just be very honest with you. I hate cleaning in the house. I mean, I hate it. Saturdays are usually the day I get up in the morning, I have breakfast, and then I help Linda around the house and and getting it back in order because uh, when I go home from doing the show, I usually take a nap, and then I get up, and I got to run and do errands, and then when you come home, don't feel like cleaning. Just don't do it. And so you got to do it someday. So I usually come in and do the car and truck doctors on a Saturday. And then when I get home uh, after doing the show, there's honey, can you do this? And can you do that? Can you run the sweeper or whatever? I don't like cleaning. Never have, never will. I'll tell you the rule we got in our house. I do all the cooking. She cooks. She cleans up after I cook. And that's, that's the way we work things because my wife doesn't like to cook. I love to cook. So the bottom line is, uh, you know, cleaning is something I'd rather leave to somebody else. And St. Clarity Residential Cleaning is somebody you can leave that to and uh, get away with doing it at a very cost effective point. I'll also say this. They clean deep clean to such an extent that uh, you're in good shape. I mean, uh, they do a deep cleaning. They don't have to come back for three or four weeks. That's how clean your house is. I won't say you can eat off the floor, but I'll say it's close to it. Uh, you should have St. Clarity come out and do your house. Now, a lot of people say, "But Dave, it's expensive." Yeah, I don't, I'm not say that it's not expensive. I mean, 2,500 square foot home, 300 bucks. You know, that's you're giving up a lot of money if you spend 300 dollars. But I'll, I'll I'll do you one better here. You call four oh four six five six oh after nine o'clock talk to chuck and he'll give you a certificate for 150 dollars that he gets you 300 dollars cleaning from the folks at st clarity a lot of people have taken us up on this in fact i got to talk uh, with the folks from st clarity i'll have them on tomorrow they're going to be on for a half hour but uh you know i'll have to talk to them because we need more certificates so we'll look for them to give us some more of those so that you can get them uh $300 cleaning, $150 to you to get the $150 off, call 404 all right, 404-6560 and Chuck will make sure you get a certificate. Then you just call St. Clarity and set everything up. They come out, and talk to you, they peruse your house, they tell you what they're going to what they'll do, what they can't do or and you'll be amazed at all the things they can do. That's St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. <laughs> got to i'm right. sitting here laughing with joe right now heidi i gotta ask i i think i know the answer but i gotta ask you this are you into wrestling no <laughs> 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 Look at she just squinted her eyes at mm-hmm. me and shook her head no i love watching wrestling now i don't i don't make it a steady diet like i used to but i was just watching uh the the monitor in here and they they just announced that WrestleMania that's happening tomorrow night. I don't know where it's being held at, but it's going to be in front of a live audience. And that's the first time in over a year that they've been wrestling in front of a live audience. So that, that tells us we're slowly getting back to normal. I'm liking that. Saw Eric Church is coming in 2022 uh, to uh, Simmons Arena. I got to get used to saying that yep. uh, over there. Elton John's coming this year, supposedly uh, towards the end of the year is what I'm hearing. I don't know if tickets are still available or not. You know, you can check yeah. if you've never seen him in concert. Oh, yeah. You want to see him in concert. Very good. He is fantastic. I was talking about this yesterday, Joe, since you're, you're not as old as I am, but you're in that age range. I asked Congressman French Hill, this question, uh, the Doors, L.A. Woman, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin 4, The Who, Who's Next, Rolling Stone, Sticky Fingers, uh, Elton John, Madman Across the Water, uh, and there's a bunch others I can name. What do they have in common? What do all those albums have in common? I'm not going to be able to answer that. This year. Yeah. 50 years old.
5: Oh, okay all of them huh? isn't that,
1: yeah isn't that amazing yes and i got a lot there's a there was a lot more on that list that i could have read here sure that just kind of rocked my world because i was 18 years old when they came out
5: you were talking about that last year end of last year i went to georgia to see for a memorial for my mother-in-law my right. wife's sister i mean mother passed away so when xm radio when we started back uh-huh that particular weekend they said we're going to play the top 700 hits of the 70s
1: oh wow
5: started in 70 to 79 uh huh and he said we're we're playing them as the listeners voted for them and number 1 guess which one it was number 1
1: song of the 70s uh joy to the world three dog night nope okay what was it queen queen yep okay was which Queen's the Bohemian Rhapsody? Yes, but well, that had to be right up there. I mean, yeah. Wayne's World, come on, yeah. <laughs> we're not worthy anyway. What can I? But I, I
5: asked my daughter, uh, my youngest one, she's she's thirty five, and a couple friends over there at the pool, you know,
1: and they and knew they, that song, didn't they?
5: They knew the song, and I said, I want to ask you a question. They had seven hundred hits in the seventies since nineteen ninety five. How many hits have there been in the rock and roll?
1: I have no idea
5: they might say and they both all i'm all thought about said maybe 100 150 i said the 70s has 700 mm-hmm.
1: hits yeah well it's just like those those albums i just mm-hmm. mentioned yeah most people who listen most to rock the songs people on know the album were hits yeah most of the people know la woman and know yeah. riders on the storm mm-hmm. and and things of that nature or who's next yeah from who's next mm-hmm. who are you and, yeah. and what, just from csi yeah uh but most people that are younger and they love that music don't realize it's 50 years old. Yeah, it's a fact. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, thanks for coming by. We Thank appreciate you, you being here. Hopefully, Duck will be back with us next week. I'm sure he'll have some information about diesels that you'll want to know about as well. I, want to, I think next week I'd like to talk about, since we're getting into this time of year, uh, towing trailers. We can do that. What kind of automobile should you use to tow a trailer? Absolutely. And how do you make that decision? We'll do that next uh, week on Thursday. I'm out of time tomorrow. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett will join me in the first hour. The folks from uh, St. Clarity will be with me uh, in a half hour, the second uh, second hour. And uh, I'm still waiting to see if we're good on 830. If we're not, I'll have something to talk about. You know, Matt Smith will be around or whatever, and we'll talk about movies. All right, I'm out of here. Till tomorrow, 6 a.m., have a great day.